I think what I love about this story is that it's, it's true. <laughs> like you're, you're in your thirties playing basketball with a crew of dudes where the youngest second youngest dude is 65. That's how most people approach life though, Ryan. I mean, like you experience how most people navigate their way through life. Is How's they just that? go and find worse people than them to make themselves <laughs> feel better. Yeah. And then they measure themselves according to that. Slowdown podcast. Glad you're joining us in the sea of podcasts. You chose us. Amen. And if that sea it is, we're tickled. We're encouraged. <laughs> tickled in, like, you know, a very normal sense. Yeah. You know, it was in like flattered. Joy. Flattered. Yeah. Happy. I wish we had that uh, Pharrell music happy right now to cue. Can you work on that, Ryan? I think we'd have to pay for some rights somewhere to be able to use that. I mean, you could sing it, I think, and we'd be safe. We'd probably have to get a real producer to make that yeah, happen. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. It's probably some combination of like real producer and then one of the hosts bringing these things up prior to the moment we're recording it. <laughs> that that would also help. Yes. But then just, I guess wondering. Fun. <laughs> That's true. For all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys know we're seriously flying by the seat of our pants in this podcast. <laughs> we are. We are. And amen for it. We don't have oodles and oodles of time to prep and plan. No. But I think that's what makes the conversation good, man. So speaking of conversations and, uh, and just things that are going on in life, Ryan, you, you recently mentioned um, uh, a pickup game of basketball that you were in. Yeah, I'm recovering still, a little bit sore. Had are a, you? Had a basketball game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweet, dude. How does one go about playing basketball as a five foot three grown man? I'll tell you, the, the biggest key to success that I've found – is to play with guys that are at least 70 years old. <laughs> so, like, truth be told here, how old was the crew you played with? Yeah, so I had a basketball game yesterday, and uh, I think I was the only person under, yeah, 65 at least. Mm, there uh, you go. Yeah, and uh, and I came off looking like Michael Jordan, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yep little miniature scotty pippen running around out there in central oh, yeah. arkansas yeah it just felt like i was i had some superpowers i was real fast and and uh yeah it was a great game they're they're a fun crew though they've got um there's three different guys there that they kind of have a shtick i think that they, they <laughs> say all the time right like they've got one guy who uh who's a doctor he says if if you get hurt uh you know he can help you if you get hurt playing basketball sweet uh, 
if, uh, if it's too bad and uh, you just need some more divine intervention, they've got a guy who's a preacher so he can pray for you. Mm. And, and if mm. usually those, helps with sprained ankles, right? Well, and if the doctor and the preacher can't help you, then they also have a guy that's an undertaker who can do the rest of the work. <laughs> Dang, dude. I mean, you're Those like just old man. <laughs> they are, but what's I think what I love about this story is that it's it's true. <laughs> like you're you're in your thirties. How old are you, dude? Thirty. Yeah. Thirty. Playing basketball with a crew of dudes where the youngest, second youngest dude is sixty-five. I'm sure. Yeah. And you've got a doctor, a, a pastor, and an undertaker. Yep. I mean, it sounds like, you know, like a joke, like, right? Like Jesus sent a Catholic <laughs> right. into a bar. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. A doctor, a, a priest, an undertaker walked into a setup. basketball center. <laughs> That's how most people approach life, though, Ryan. I mean, like you experience how most people navigate their way through life. Is How's they that? just go and find worse people than them to make themselves <laughs> feel better. Yeah. And then they measure themselves according to that, right? Yep. They just get yep. all built up and that we do. Well, I hear that I'll have an opportunity to uh, put myself up against a different set of competitions soon. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, dude. Yes. We, got the, we got the collective coming up. Um, coming up here this weekend, we're just a small handful of leaders that really um, just do a lot for the network in regards to just the movement that's happening. Get together once a year down here in South Florida. And we have our annual basketball game. Mm. and um, we pull out like semi-pro shorts and the tank tops that are too small and it's it's a sight to behold man i mean yes. how do you know so if you if you've never seen russ play basketball i just want you to imagine philip seymour hoffman and along came polly and that's pretty much russ's game right there just google it just go ahead and google it along came polly and if okay. you want to know what my game is i'm the real sweaty hairy dude that um what's his name rubs his face on yeah that's kind of my role i'm like i'm that guy i got some man i got some boobs going some man boobs tony plays well because no one wants to guard him and no one wants to guard him because they just don't want to press up against all of that on the court I'm like dude i'm wide so open all the time <laughs> all the time what is this game? People are watching it. All they keep doing is throwing it to the very large, overweight, redheaded dude who puts on layups. <laughs> what is that? Alopecia? Is he a leper? He's sweat, <laughs> sweating and fat. Too good. Too good. So, yeah, if you're listening in, you can be praying for us for that time together. Um, our hope is that we will not need the doctor or the pastor or the undertaker from Ryan's game. To uh to join us. I would say anything but the pastor, man. I'll take <laughs> this other two. Anything but the pastor. Anybody but the, that dude. Those are the the pastors tend to be the most unsanctified people <laughs> on the basketball court. <laughs> I've seen that. Speaking of yeah. sanctification. I was just as, about to say that. <laughs> I stole your line. Dang, dude. Come dude, on. We're in, we're in sync, man. We we're are. in sync. Aww. Speaking of sanctification, now that, that was a cute moment. Um, continuing our conversation in, in Reclaim, um, we're going to be shifting to Reclaim 4. And usually this is the point of the conversation where some tension really begins to build 
as yeah. we press in a little bit further into the conversation of of grace and i know you guys have experienced this um in um in in the training um environments that you guys have been in whether it be online or personal one-on-one or in a, in a larger setting but as we've been kind of sharing um reclaim and training people for the last you know three four or five years um grace produces a bit of a bit of tension. There's always, there's always questions. And before we get in, I would love to just talk about the beauty of tension and why we shouldn't remove it so quickly. Mm. Because I feel like so many that I've heard, um, like for instance, I was, I was in a service, a Sunday morning service a while back. And my friend who's the pastor was just breaking down good news and my heart was just like being encouraged and it was awesome and then as soon as he was finished he followed it up now but this doesn't mean you get to just go and do whatever you want and i was like bro like why do just why couldn't you just let that good news sit there hmm. why did you have to you know what i'm saying like why it just felt so so force you know where there's such a fear around this freedom this declaration that it is finished like we're gonna grab it and go like you know yeah i mean that's typically what happens right when you you know when you are like say you're really struggling with something you know health wise and you feel like like something's really bad you're getting you know some really bad reports from the doctors and things that you're going through and then somehow like this miracle happens and you find out hey you're gonna be okay like, like the end of your life is not, you know, six months from now, but Lord willing, you're going to be around for your kids. What I find is that people who go through something like that and then some sort of miracle happens and they, and they, and they find this liberating news of I'm okay, I'm healthy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. I find that they immediately go out and just start pounding bottles of liquor, <laughs> shooting up heroin needles every day, right? Eating bacon and steak for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, we typically... Are you describing our collective? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying... That's like, a joke. Something joke. In For us. the record, please don't edit this out. That was a joke. <laughs> but, well, yeah, this, it's just... The bacon and burgers. Something in us. There's something in us that is so afraid of, of just where this grace of God can lead us that we, we can't help but oftentimes step in, myself included, and cut it off at its knees. Yes. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know why we read stories like the prodigal, right? Where this younger and older brother, both equally dying in one of two camps, one in his religion, one in his irreligion, right? Mm-hmm. One in his good behavior, one in his, you know, I mean, his bad behavior, but they're both equally dead. They're just dying in two different directions. And so what Jesus tells us a story of a God who recklessly pursues them both. Mm-hmm. And we hear that and we rejoice like in this salvation, this, this God that has given us life, this God that by faith alone as a gift, right, through his grace, as we talked about even in our recent podcast, you know, found in Ephesians 2, like, like we come alive in him, we're made new. And yet something in us wants to move our focus away from this life full of grace towards a life of performance. And it's odd, right? But it's true. Hmm. It's, I think it's true for all of us. It's just something in this like law loving nature that we have. I think too, like you're talking about wrestling with stuff and why that's important. And I think when we don't allow ourselves or other people to wrestle 
with stuff like this. We're actually robbing ourselves and others of, of some of the value in it. Like I had somebody say one time they were talking about sharing truth about Jesus to people. And they said, I'm never going to like just walk up to somebody and try to intellectually convince them of what's true. Right. Because then someone else could just walk up to them and intellectually convince them of something else. Right. (laughs) But when you actually wrestle with it yourself and come to believe things on your own, rather than just taking in whatever anybody tells you, that's a whole different level of belief. And yeah, when we don't let people sit and wrestle in that, I think we rob them of that. Yeah. That's good, man. That is really, really good. And so the the conversation ended last podcast, um, really on the heels of that parable in Luke 18 of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, you know, Jesus just tells that story, awards the tax collector who utters seven words, right? Clinging solely to the mercy and the grace of God in the temple as a broken person. Um, and there's no follow-up question. There's no follow-up like, oh, yeah, and he went on to this and this and this and this. And he became a model citizen, and he became the mayor of Jerusalem and is doing good and spreading cheer to all. Um, Jesus was just content to let the tension of grace sit there and really walked away a lot of times not explaining parables, not dotting the I's, not crossing the T's. And I wonder if there's something to learn from the greatest teacher ever in in just that. But here we stand and people do wrestle with these things. Um, They wrestle with how grace connects not just to our salvation, but also to, if you want to call it sanctification or progress or maturity or what have you. And what, what we're saying in reclaim is it connects, it connects to both that we shouldn't separate and see that the gospel is just kind of to punch our ticket to, you know, to heaven, to get on the glory train, to, to go to heaven by and by. Um, and then we're kind of just left here until then to kind of like get it together, try really hard to live according to biblical principles and, you know, right. like repent enough and, and, and behave enough, you know, to kind of like maintain our status as saints and, and beloved ones of God. But we're saying that uh, believing in the finished work of Jesus has everything to do from beginning to end, from when we yeah. begin as Christians, before we're Christians, um, and all throughout the rest of our lives. And really that Reclaim 4 is kind of like starting that conversation. Yeah, it's taking this good news that we've been unpacking we took a hard look at who Jesus is, right? Which paints this much bigger picture than we often have in mind, right? We, we start to see him as creator of everyone and everything. He's the sustainer, the reconciler. It's already made peace by the blood of his cross. And it moves into this declaration of him saying, hey, my mission is to die, not to fix. Because your need is resurrection, right? Not, uh, not refinement. Hmm. And we start to see like this, true, perfect, holy, righteous nature that we are going to need to have to live in table fellowship with God. And Jesus brings that about and we rejoice in that. And, and I feel like in, you know, in our, in our recent podcast, we got to unpack this, this beautiful story of God's grace and how we come alive, right? How we come into relationship with him now and forever, right? By faith alone. Amen. And as we were just talking about, there's a tension that immediately follows that. That's kind of what we're digging into today is, is that tension. Like, what does it look like to rest in the finished work of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, that's our conversation today. And yep. it's probably going to be our conversation for the next few podcasts, right? Truth be told, because 
I mean, this is bar none, like probably one of the biggest topics, one of the, the most pressing issues in our day right now, whether you're talking about the religious crowd or the irreligious, either one, people inside, outside the church, it's this longing for, for peace and joy in this life. And so on one hand, we, we, we rejoice in a God that we talk about who saved us, but, but for some reason, there's so many people who don't feel safe, right? I feel saved, but I don't really feel safe around him. Hmm. I know he loves me. I just don't think he likes me <laughs> unless I'm doing A, B, and C. Hmm. Yeah, dude, I had, a, I had a guy literally tell me that. He goes, man, I know I'm loved, but I don't think he likes me. Like, meaning, like, God, yeah, he, like, died to forgive me, but I, I don't know how he stomachs me every yeah. day. And this, and this guy was really genuinely being honest about who he was and his life. And he sees all the inconsistencies, you know, between mm. what he's doing or not doing and what God's, you know, called him to. And he's noticed a gap. And there was no grace or mercy to fill the gap. It was just a narrative of him trying to kind of like measure up. Yeah, man. And there's people like, there's people who think like this all over the place. And so I love when we're, we have a chance to really open up the scriptures with people and show them, man, dude, it is finished is the banner over all of life. And resurrection is a reality right for the whole world and for all of life and really we can we can rest and one of my favorite um uh, parts of scripture to to go to and this is just us diving into the the actual like kind of main scriptures of reclaim four here is hebrews 10 um and then i always jump to ephesians 2 and hebrews 10 um says and starting in verse 12 but when christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And just before 12, the writer of Hebrews paints this picture of a priest who stands daily at his service, repeating the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. The priest is running around the temple, right? Almost like in a, in a hurry, in a frenzy, and he's cutting the throat of bulls and goats and lambs and spilling blood for himself and for people and just day in and day out, almost like got to get up and make the donuts, right? Like the work right. never ends. It never, ever stops. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, but Jesus offered one sacrifice for all time. And after he was done doing that, right? John 19, we know he said it is finished and he sat down. He sat down signifying that it's finished. Just like how we sit down after a hard day's work or when the day's over, we sit down, we rest because our work for the day is over. And then Ephesians 2 gives us this imagery when Paul um, is starting to describe positionally like where believers are, like what has God done with us, right? Like where has he placed us? Where has he put us? What is, what is the place he's put us, right? The identity that we have. And he says that just as Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Because mm -hmm. he has sat down and it is finished. He has seated us right next to Christ. Meaning we get to reap the benefits of the rest he earned for ourselves for the rest of our lives. That's good news. <laughs> it's like, really, like there's just no, there's no other phrase I can really come up with it. There's what I love in all of these passages that we see that sometimes are so easily overlooked 
there's no advice in anything that you just shared. There's no to do. There's no like list to go complete because you're, you're needing something. Instead, it's, it's this declaration of who he is and what he's done and what he's declared over us. And now this is our identity and it's who we are in him. And so to our audience here, we're not saying that, uh, and we'll be digging into this even more. We're not saying that, that there's this, uh, that what is good and true or, or where there's harmony in these things of God that we find in the law, that somehow those things have been removed or they don't matter any longer because we know they do. Jesus himself said they do. Jesus himself said not one dot right of the law should be removed. But this law in this picture, it's not, you know, one of the phrases we often use is it's not a law or gospel story. It's not hearing all the things, Tony, that you just shared and then going, Oh, okay. Yeah. But what about, or, but let me get throw in this other thing here. So people don't take, you know, this for granted. It's not a law or gospel tension that we need to have. Yeah. It's like the equilibrium saved. kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm saved, but I don't feel safe. Or I, I think I'm loved. But I don't feel like he likes me. Like these tensions that we live in, I think come from the fact that we don't realize that the scriptures show this law and gospel, not law or gospel but it's a law. Here's a picture of harmony with God and with others. These things are good and true and there's harmony if we walk in it. Amen. But there's also this thing called the gospel, this reality of what God has done and declared over us because we can't do the former, Hmm. right? So because like the first Adam, we can't walk in these things. The second Adam that the scriptures refer to walked in them for us. Hmm. And so at the heart of this whole picture that we're painting here about resting in Jesus, we don't want to jump right into like all the implications as much as we just want to hone in first and foremost on identity, right? The fact that Jesus did not come to improve us. He came to replace us. It's as you were reading, Tony, it's in him that we dwell seated next to the father in need of nothing else to stand whole or holy right now. Yeah. It's a replacement work. Which yeah. I guess is why, you know, we always cling to those verses in like Galatians where he talks about, you know, in chapter two, we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you and I who live. That's why this reality of, uh, is mine. It's because I've been crucified in Christ. You've been crucified in Christ. Everyone has. He dropped us all down the black hole of his son's death. And so it's not us who live any longer. Um, that's why Romans 8 one says there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, how could there be if there's no you to condemn? Right. A you that's been crucified, a you that has been raised and lives in the Son, which is another passage we often talk about in Colossians 3, where in verse 1 it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, right, this one that we were crucified in, seek the things that are above, right? Amen. Like these, these are good things. We're not removing that. Set your mind on these things that are above, right? Not on these things that are on earth. But this is what he tells us, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This one who's said it is finished, this one, right, who is set down by the Father because the Mm -hmm. sacrifice is done. This is the one in whom we dwell. There's no independent you and me, right, right back to the reclaim one conversation. Right. To fret as if I'm saved, but I'm not safe or I'm loved, but I'm not like, no, no. We live and dwell in the perfect son. This is our reality. This is who we are because of a work of someone else, not our own. Yeah, that's so, that's so good, man. And I remember, um, 
remember really kind of grabbing on to this a few years back. Um, and speaking of Galatians 2.20, I mean, especially too in Romans 6, Paul goes out of his way at the beginning of Romans 6 to just remind us like, you're dead. What don't you get about <laughs> right. you know, that your your track record whether the good or the bad or he says later in galatians the circumcision or the uncircumcision or the religion of the older brother or the irreligion of the younger brother it doesn't count anymore right. the only thing god is counting is a, a, a perfect crucified risen son on your behalf that's the only thing he's counting and the whole connection between dying right? And no condemnation. Well, yeah, because I'm not this independent self. That's just kind of like where my, my track record and, and, you know, all these things are, are counting or working towards something that really doesn't matter. That list has been thrown away. It's been disregarded. In fact, if you go on to go to, to Romans, God put a spike right through it, right? The record yeah. of debt that stood against us. He drove a spike right through it into his son's hand. Um, yeah. And so just the idea of, of this invitation to come and die, die to the project of self, die to thinking that God's the celestial bookkeeper, God die to thinking the books are open, right? And we'll see what happens in the end, in justification, in the declaration of it is finished. We already have the verdict from the future in the present tense. You're yeah. loved. It's finished. You're righteous in him. And in Romans 6, he goes on five different ways. Verse 3, we were baptized into his death or immersed into his death. Verse 4, we were buried with Jesus. Verse 5, we've been united with Jesus in his death, sutured, um, you know, uh, welded together with Christ. Our old self was crucified, verse 6. And then just plainly in verse 8, we have died with Christ. Amen. And so when we hear all that, it all of a sudden it makes sense, right? Why Jesus tells us parable, what God is like and what we're like and what's needed, one that we've referenced already. In which case he says, no, that, that list of religious do's and don'ts and how well you performed from the Pharisee, it's not welcomed here because it's not needed. The scorecard that you need is a perfect one. That's why it's the tax collector who just clings to the perfect one that Jesus says, you're justified. In other words, mm -hmm. You're saved, you're safe, you're loved, you're liked. It's in me that you'll dwell. Hmm. So we'll just go ahead and end this podcast. Um, I feel like, you know, within this tension, just let these truths sink deep into your heart and your soul and just wrestle with them. Like where this goes, where this leads, implications, we'll dig into that. But the good news is this, Hebrews 10.10 10 says that we have been, past tense, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, not, and it says this once and for all, it doesn't say we, that we will be sanctified through the hard work of our religious duties with Jesus's help. No, it says we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The one who is our life, the one in whom we dwell, the one that we've been crucified and raised right to new life in. Hmm. That's good news. That's good news for, for a world that's just dying under the exhaustion, right, of this project of self. Mm. That's good news that it says, go ahead and trade that uh, endless cycle of self-improvement for the rest found in the self-forgetful life that God has given you. And that's what we'll dig into on our next episode. We'll dig into the implications of this and where it leads. Amen? Yeah, and the, and the tension of grace is just going to have to sit for another week. 
right? Let it sit, baby. Let it, let it sit. <laughs> let it this sit. is Jesus is seated. Let that tension sit Amen. along with him. And man, I maybe there's a comfort there. You don't have to figure out, have all the I's dotted and T's crossed. Amen that you're pressing into the scriptures. Amen that you're pressing into some of these things and considering them. Um, and God is speaking into those things. So amen. Till next time. Amen. Peace. Peace. Thank you.